Welcome to the What If Podcast, where we rewrite sports past, present, and future. We're your hosts, Eddie, Jeet, Cameron, and Michael. Four lifelong friends, each with a unique perspective on sports. And find out what if Freddie Adu didn't have expectations weighing him down. Hey everyone, Jeet here with another episode of the What If Pod. Got the whole gang in various places in the country as usual. And we were just thinking, you know, just vibing and really just wanted to talk. This feels weird for me to be the one saying this, but <laughs> it was my birthday yesterday. So uh... <laughs> we want to talk about how awesome Jeet is on his birthday. It is his episode. So you can't introduce people talking about you on your episode. So we're talking about Jeet today, the birthday boy. Thanks. I felt kind of weird coming out of my mouth, but uh, (laughs) 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 but Jeet, you don't have any favorite things about yourself you want to talk about, tell the world? I guess. Had a lot of good birthdays over the years. Getting up there in age, finally. No, haven't hit my prime yet, but we're getting there. What did you do for your birthday? I guess we'll just ask you that. What did you do? You're in St. Louis now, right? Yeah, so I went to a restaurant with my dad. Had a lot of good food. Currently studying for an exam, so unfortunately did have to study a bit, but took it a little easier. But yeah, it was just a good overall chill day, which is the way I like it. Nice. Michael, Eddie, you guys have any funny stories or things you want to say about Jeet? Many. I'll stick with one, of course, but yeah. So I wasn't even here for this, uh, but G, you relayed this during college days. I think it may have been like your freshman or sophomore year. I wouldn't say it's like non-PG related, maybe like PG-13, I guess you could say, but you're at a social gathering, you could say. It may have been with your medical frat. I can't recall. I don't really know the specifics, but I just remember you did not want to be there and or drink. And people were encouraging each other with adult beverages, you could say. And Jeet being you, uh, love it. You were like not feeling it. You didn't want to. So you decided when people were to hand you certain smaller versions of adult beverages, perhaps in shot glasses, that you would say to yourself, I don't want to do that. And that you would fake taking the drink and then throw the drink over your shoulder and say that was behind you. <laughs> and I think we all have many, many stories to you, but I don't know why that just was the first one that came to mind. And I had to say it. And you did that the whole night. People were like, man, gee, you can like really throw them down. Like you're a party animal and you're just having a good time doing you, man. And I love it. So happy birthday. Thank you. This is a true story. I guess if anyone from college is listening, now they know the truth, but yeah, not a... <laughs> to piggyback off of that, that reminds me of the Drew Barrymore. Was it Drew Barrymore that kicked you guys out of the bar? It was Drew Barrymore, yeah. That just came in and just kicked you right out from wherever you guys were sitting because it was Drew Barrymore. Yeah, I was at a bar in LA. 
I, that was actually a birthday party of mine as well. <laughs> friends <laughs> and then we were at this like fancy bar we just got it we waited a long time to get a table and then we finally got a table and then this big guy in a suit came over and was like hey you guys got to move and then we we're like why and he was like someone else wants to sit here and we we're like we just got here who wants to sit here and he was like it's drew barrymore and so we moved yeah drew barrymore still my enemy to this day was it actually drew barrymore it was just some big guy saying Hey, Drew Barrymore was here. Did you actually confirm that it was her? Confirmed it was her. I have a picture, a selfie of me with her in the background. So I have photographic evidence that it is her. Nice. We can put it on the socials perhaps later as well. (laughs) 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 Drew, if you're listening, you owe G to drink or something. Yeah, and I'll just throw it behind me, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) That's it right there. That's a winner. Eddie, you got a story or something? I do. When I went to, you know, I was a new student at our elementary school. And I got there in like the second half of third grade. And I think Jeet was already there since the first grade. Or was it kindergarten? You were there since kindergarten, right? So he had already established himself at the school. So fourth grade, I remember it was a recess and, you know, we're just throwing the football or whatever. And I threw like the perfect spiral, but it just so happened that it was so accurate that the pointy end of the football just hit G right in the eye. And it was an accident. Like it was a complete accident. And everybody was like, oh my God, Eddie, what did you do? why did you do this to, to G? You know, like they were just blaming me. They were just ganging up on me. And I remember that. So I probably could have thought of a better memory, but that's the first one that came to my mind. <laughs> but uh, no, but I think that just to, like, you know, how cherished G is, especially when people are around him and how much people appreciate him, you know? So and, you know, I appreciate him so much. I appreciate the good friend that he's been to me. I can say that personally. And to all of us, I bet I can speak for you all as well. You know, he's been a super good friend. The fact that we're still together to this day, all throughout elementary school up until now, in our 40s right now. I, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm not going to reveal people's ages, but uh, yeah. That's a memory that I have. That's right. I guess to follow up on an I story for G, it wouldn't doesn't really come to mind, but G, I remember like you scratched your cornea or something in high school and you wore like the coolest of sunglasses to a soccer game and you were just like watching the game and these awesome sunglasses on the bench. You were rocking the vibe that day, man. It was good stuff. This is also true, yeah. Took out my contact and took out part of my cornea. So it happens. That was also on your birthday, was it not? <laughs> you know, it probably was. Who knows? <laughs> I guess I have a couple to f- I could finish off with here. I, I've known Jeet, I think, the longest out of the three of us here because I moved in second grade to our elementary school so the year before Eddie did. But being in his class every year, I think we were in the same elementary school class like every single year I was there, I want to say. It's a lot of funny stories. You know, everyone was his uncle. Uh, I remember Kobe Jones was his uncle, the defender from LA Galaxy. 
You also had an uncle that was surfing in a tsunami in the Philippines one year. Uh, you had just numerous uncles spread out across the world, like always involved in stuff. That was always funny. I don't know. You were always just trying to like lie about different stuff. It was always really funny. Like you mentioned one time you had a dog and we all knew that you hated dogs, but then you said, no, I like dogs now. So we all came over to your house and then you didn't have a dog. I don't know where that came from. Just stuff like that. It's always funny. But um, Eddie said this a couple weeks ago to me when we were eating lunch together, we were talking about playing Fusion Frenzy and he was talking to Caitlin about it. And he was like, yeah, Cameron and G like, I could win like one game, but I could never win a whole planet. Like you had to win the whole planet to win the game or whatever. And so he could never win a whole planet. It was only Cameron and Jeet. And he was like, wait, Cameron and Jeet were always like the best at everything we did. It was always like Cameron versus Jeet. Like I was thinking about it. I was like, oh my gosh. All of our battles are always like legendary, like fantasy football games, always crazy, you know, whether it be FIFA or whatever. And then, you know, Fusion Frenzy, obviously. But I was thinking about even like elementary school, like if we had donuts in class, me and Jeet would race to see who is the fastest to eat the donut. Like it was just nonstop. We were always competing and stuff. So just really funny memories of us doing really stupid stuff to compete. I think we did like paper football. I mean, I could go all day, like little stupid stuff that we always compete with, but. Jeet, you're a great rival to have. Obviously one of my best friends because you were the best man at my wedding. So obviously hold you very highly, but some fun times in the past. Man, I appreciate it, guys. A lot of fun memories of the four of us. Yeah, I mean, good times, always good times. But yeah, appreciate the love. Appreciate you guys. And appreciate all the listeners at home. So I guess for this episode, speaking of guys who have always had that competitive instinct, we're talking about someone else who's had that. And the guy goes by the name of Freddie Adu. Bit of a weird segue there, but uh, we'll go with it. Um, so this episode's about Freddie Adu and kind of just thinking about, you know, he was touted to be the next big thing, but didn't really turn out that way. So we're kind of talking about what happens if it did, you know, or if we got a big American soccer superstar at that time. So that's what we're going to be talking about. Let us know what you think of the episode. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned for what we've got in store next. And yabba-dabba-dooey, let's do it. To ask you guys how old do you think Freddie is today 45 no he's like 38 i'm gonna guess 28 i'm gonna go 30 so Freddie do just turned 31 what? no way yeah so here's the deal he'd be like in his prime oh my gosh yeah so the question that i asked is what if Freddie Adu lived up to the potential of being the player that he anointed to be? So if you take it back, rewind it, take that, rewind it back. Freddie Adu, born in Ghana, 
his mom won a green card lottery, which I didn't even know that was a thing, comes to the United States. So he grew up in Maryland. Very quickly, his soccer coaches realized this guy is incredibly talented. He was destroying people much older than him. And so what age do you think he became a professional soccer player? Was it like 14 or 15? It was 14. He is the biggest professional U.S. sports athlete in history because he made his professional debut at the age of 14. So he grew up in the Maryland area. He wanted to stay close to home, so the MLS had to work out a deal in the draft that year because the Colorado Rapids had the first pick of the draft, but Freddie Adu wanted to stay near Maryland, so he would only go to D.C. United. So the MLS paid the Rapids. They gave them an extra spot so they would give up the first pick to D.C. United so that they could take Freddie Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine something like that happening in NBA? (laughs) It's just, like, remarkable. So got drafted first overall by the United. And very quickly, he turned out to be a solid player from basically day one. Like, he didn't start immediately, but he would come on as a sub frequently. He scored quite a bit. And then the next season, he was a regular starter. He was an all-star twice. And then after his time at United, he stayed there for two years or so. He got into trouble with his coach because he complained about his lack of playing time as a 16-year-old, mind you. Uh, (laughs) So then he eventually got traded to Real Salt Lake. And during his time in Real Salt Lake, he had a trial at Manchester United but his visa didn't work out. So he didn't get to try it with the first team. He tried out with the academy instead. That didn't come to anything really. But then he got signed by Benfica in Portugal, one of the great Portuguese teams. So he went to Portugal. He was too young to play for them, but did come on as a sub a few times and scored a couple goals. And this was a team with Angel Di Maria, Fabio Quintrao. So this mm. is like good players there. And keep in mind, that Manchester United trial he had, that was the years when they had Ronaldo, they had Rooney, Tevez, I think, was coming in. So he was around some incredible players. And then Benfica loaned him out to Monaco. And the stories that I read said that Monaco only wanted him for his fame. They didn't really have any intention of playing him, but they wanted that fame. And I think you guys will remember that he was a superstar at this point. Like, he was famous. I think you could argue that he's the most famous American soccer player ever. Even now, that's a fair argument to me because he was like, he had permeated the modern culture. Like, he was on TRL, if you guys remember that show. He was in a bunch of advertisements, signed a million-dollar contract as a 14-year-old. Pelé called him the next greatest thing. So then after his loan to Monaco, it didn't go well. And from then on, it was basically downhill. Like his time with Benfica ended. He moved from team to team. And he ultimately played for, I think, about 14 different teams in 11 years. He played in Serbia. I think he might have played in Saudi Arabia. He played all over the globe. He also played for the U.S. Men's National. He played in the 2011 Gold Cup. I don't know if you guys remember the goal by Clint Dempsey from Landon Donovan assist. 
the guy who played the ball to Landon Donovan was Freddie Adu. And he was also on the 2010 U.S. Men's Nationals during the World Cup. And that was a really controversial selection because he wasn't really having a good career at that point. People were like, why are you, why are you playing this guy? So I think it's actually kind of sad to see the way his career's turned out. And I was reading an interview with him from last year, and he was saying he doesn't want to retire. He still thinks he has it in him. But there was a quote by one of his teammates that was saying he was just a body moving without a soul. He had lost like what it takes to be a professional. And now he's actually a coach. He's coaching younger kids. One question I have for you guys is, why do you think this happened to Freddie Adu? Like, was the pressure too much to get to him? Because my hypothesis is that 14 years old, soccer is like a growing sport in America at this time. There's no way you can succeed as a 14-year-old with that much expectation on you. The comparison that I want to hear your guys' opinion on is him and Pulisic, because it seems like Pulisic is actually the real deal. So why did Pulisic succeed so much, and why did Adu not succeed? When you could argue that Adu was the better prospect at the time. And then the other question is, what would American soccer be like if we had a world-class player? Like, if Adu had been a Messi-type player, how would soccer in America be different? There's another thing. So I guess what I was wondering is, like, I don't really remember how good Freddie Adu was. I remember him being in MLS, but I don't remember him, like, taking the world by storm. But I was looking at an interview with one of his current, or he currently isn't playing for anyone, but he played for Las Vegas USL team. And people said that he came in 10 pounds overweight. But usually in a scrimmage, you would get to touch the ball 10 to 15 times. Because he had a lower work rate, he'd only touch the ball twice. But then those two times that he touched the ball were unbelievable. So I think that kind of like speaks to the kind of player that he had become, where he relied heavily on his skills. And in his interviews, he also said that, I wish I could go back and call my former coaches and apologize to them, because he said he didn't work as hard. He felt entitled, like he didn't make friends in the locker room because he believed himself to be the superstar. Why do you think he turned out this way? And what would soccer be like had he been what he could have been? Being 14 years old and having that much put on your plate and getting all of that fame, like imagine, so that was huge in, what was that, like 2005 or six or something like that? Imagine that today, like seeing a Freddie Adu, a 14 year old, like on Instagram and Twitter, and everywhere like that would be insane so I can't even imagine back then I remember opening my Sports Illustrated for kids and seeing you know interviews with him and stuff when he was 14 and like seeing clips on Sports Center of him you know like juggling soccer balls and I mean that that has to go to your head a little bit so you just have to wonder that you know if he would have waited a couple of years or if that would have happened today, maybe he would have been more well-equipped because Zion Williamson, for example, I was watching him dunk when he was 15. Like, I was like, oh, my gosh, this dude's a freak. And every year I would see more and more clips of him just dunking on people. So when he became a national phenomenon, he had been in the limelight for three or four years already. So maybe if that would have happened today, he would have been more equipped to handle that. 
I still can't imagine dealing with that pressure. And it's unfortunate that he would feel entitled like that, but it also makes sense being like, no one else is talking about you. You guys have been in the league for how many years? And I'm the one getting on the fame. Like, yeah, I matter more than you. And I'm 15. Like, it's unfortunate that that's how people think, but it's also maybe a little bit of human nature a little bit. I have to imagine that if that would have came later in life, that he might have reacted a little bit differently and tried a little bit harder. But at the same time, he could have still gotten the big head, even if he was as old as Pulisic is now. I think the very first thing that you brought up, G, was the fact that the MLS as a league catered to a 14-year-old individual. And that, to me, with the MLS is not surprising. <laughs> like, for example, not to go too off subject, but the MLS had the audacity to change a sport that has been decades and decades and decades to world sport, decades long. And they decide to take their own creative liberty with penalties. And instead of a spot kick, where a penalty is, they had a run up. <laughs> like, imagine a European league doing this. Like, that just won't happen. And I think it just speaks to, like, how much soccer needed to be, like, coddled. But in the same way, like, what if that didn't happen? What if he ended up getting drafted by the Colorado Rapids from the get-go? Would that have made a difference? Maybe not the difference, but maybe a difference in that he's not coddled immediately and he's put into a new situation. They enabled him, his actions, and maybe him. Mm-hmm. That's a really good point. It is a good point. It makes me think of like Lonzo Ball a couple of years ago with his dad. Yeah, the thing with Freddie do it's 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 really sad. Like, yeah, I think that what MLS did, like, that's a violation of child labor law. You know, because like I I you know I hear like a lot of like European soccer teams. Like, I think it's something along the lines of like you can't sign someone. Or you can't have some you can't sign someone to a professional contract until they're like of a certain age, like sixteen or something like that. But yeah, I really like what you said, Michael, about how the MLS they enabled him because he had certain asks of staying at home and they fulfilled those wishes that he had. Yeah, I don't know. I I remember in the Gold Cup, I remember watching the Gold Cup specific because Freddie Adu was there and he was actually playing pretty well and it looked like he was going to make a comeback. How old was he at this time? It's hard to believe he was like 22. Goodness gracious. This was 2011, right? And he's 31. He just turned 31. Yeah. Golly. That's so weird to think about. To answer one of your questions about why is Pulisic doing so well or why Adu didn't do well, I think with Pulisic it kind of helped him to get away from home maybe and be in the youth academy in Dortmund abroad, like being in a place where you're not really known, like American players and they have very low expectations for American players abroad, you know? So I think that helped him in sort of just developing his game. I think that's a, that's a, that's a big factor to consider, you know, just kind of being away from home. I wonder if being developed in a youth academy, I mean, obviously it's not the most prestigious youth academy, but it's one of the better teams in Europe, you know, and being around like those coaches and 
probably a little bit more professionals. Like, I'm not saying the MLS is less professional, but they don't necessarily have what it takes on a world level. So, you know, developing under those people from the start, as opposed to being told that you're the greatest of all time and you're the savior and you're the chosen one. Going into a training academy at 17 years old is a lot different than going in as a potential great player and knowing that you have a little bit more to learn and, you know, having that type of attitude. But yeah, just flying on that Pulisic has kind of flown under the radar until, you know, he got into the first team and, you know, he started playing there. I think that's probably, that's probably very beneficial for him to kind of grow in as a person and, you know, become a little bit more mature and learning how to be a professional and learning how to deal with media and learning all those different things from veterans that are on those teams. I imagine that helped a lot. So then what do you make of like LeBron and how he was touted the chosen one probably around the same age as Freddie Adu and he stayed close to home by playing in Cleveland or, you know, just a couple miles away from Akron. I don't know how far that is, but how do you explain that kind of success? I know basketball and soccer are a whole different game. I know probably the NBA, you know, is a more well-developed league compared to MLS. MLS was only probably like nine or 10 years old at the time. So they probably didn't know how to develop youth or cater to youth who have like greatness upon them, you know? So I don't know. It's just, that's, that's also the thing that I thought about G when you were telling the story of Freddie Adu and it just made me think back to LeBron and how he had all this attention, but he still thrived. You could say he surpassed a lot of people's expectations. Yeah. Probably says a lot about the person that LeBron is, that he was able to hone in on all of those outside people telling him he's the greatest and then, you know, turning out the way he did. Probably says a lot about LeBron's character and his work ethic. Maybe just Freddie Dude just didn't have. Yeah. I think it, it is important to take, like, the individuals, like, I mean, we don't know him, but I think obviously a huge component. And also, you know, LeBron had this pressure when he was the same age. And then obviously like 17, high school graduation, straight to the NBA. Like you think about the MLS, like Eddie, you said, basically they're brand new. Like all this pressure to like get the MLS excited and we have a hometown kid who's playing for DC United. And you know, with the NBA, the NBA had so much history to that point. I don't know. Maybe there have been LeBrons or at least versions of him, like coming from high school where there's a lot of hype, but perhaps it was the most with LeBron to that point. With Freddie Adu, I mean, this brand new league doesn't have that experience to like fall back on or players who had come up and had that same kind of hype. Maybe the first of his own in a way, which, and you're saying this about a teenager. I also think Freddie Adu in a way had more pressure than LeBron. Because LeBron had the pressure of Americans. Freddie Adu had the pressure of Americans and probably people from Ghana as well. I don't know what the media coverage was around him in Ghana, but maybe they also had high expectations for him. Because I think at that time, they were also trying to get him to represent Ghana, to choose Ghana as a national team as opposed to the United States. So having pressure from two countries as a 14-year-old, 
that is something that could be too much to handle. I mean, the United States teams were pretty decent whenever he was coming up. I mean, those are your Landon Donovan years and Clint Dempsey. Those are some pretty decent teams. And imagine, like, putting a superstar on there. They might not win, but it would be close. Like, it would be – it'd be like Portugal, basically. Like, they'd still be in the conversation every year. That would change U.S. soccer tremendously, I imagine. Yeah, I think there's a reason, like, just young players in general going to Germany, but especially Americans. Like, it personally gets me really excited because Pulisic, I mean, he is the real deal. Then you have a guy like Gio Reyna, McKinney, Sargent. Like, these are all young Americans playing in Germany. And there's a reason why there's hype, there's excitement. It's sad that it didn't happen to Freddie Adu. And, I mean, a 14-year-old, I think, is a lot different than, say, a 16-year-old or 17-year-old moving abroad. What could have been? Imagine signing a million-dollar contract, graduating eighth grade. (laughs) (laughs) What were you like as an eighth grader? Imagine, I don't know who you said signed him as the million dollars, but, oh, man, you imagine signing that paycheck? You haven't even finished puberty yet. (laughs) No. may not even started puberty. Exactly. You haven't had an Adam's apple yet. Yeah. Still high. I also was thinking, what if his visa had worked out and his Man United trial had taken place with the first team and Man United said, we'll sign you? If he was in the hands of someone like Sir Alex Ferguson, how different would his career have been? Like, Sir Alex Ferguson got a young Ronaldo, turned him into the greatest player in the world. What could he have done with Freddie Adu? And- Maybe even just being on the same team as someone like Ronaldo or Rooney, where you're not even close to the best player. How could that have changed him? Mm. It would have been a lot better off than what happened. Yeah. It baffles me. Eddie, you brought up like the Gold Cup in 2011. We do the math. He's 21-22 at that time. I can't wrap my head around it. I think that was always part of his mythos, too, like, you always thought when he moved to the next team, you're like, this is the time. Now he's finally going to be that player. And it just never happened because he had so much time to do it. It makes me wonder, though, why, I mean, after that didn't work out, like why he didn't get more calls for other first-team tryouts. If you would have told me, like, so-and-so, John Smith, tried out for the Cleveland Cavaliers, I'd be like, Wow or not the Cleveland Cavaliers, but an NBA team. Like, wow, that's crazy. Like, surely he's going to get more tryouts with other NBA teams solely because they saw something in him to, you know, want to try him out. I would have thought that other teams would have at least looked at him and not just academies and stuff like that. Yeah. I was surprised that DC United traded him away. Like, the first red flag to me. Mm. Handed the golden boy, and <laughs> you were yeah. like, no, I don't want this anymore. Thanks for listening to the What If Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. Stay tuned as we continue to reimagine the world of sports. Imagine signing a million-dollar contract graduating eighth grade.
<laughs> what were you like as an eighth grader? Imagine, I don't know who you said signed him as a million dollars, but. You haven't even finished puberty yet. No. <laughs> May not even started puberty. Exactly. Dang. You haven't had an Adam's apple yet. But your voice yeah. is still high. Stay tuned for what we've got in store next. And yabba dabba dooey, let's do it.